0: Hi, folks. Welcome to Inclusive Collective, where we share stories and learnings of inclusive people, organizations, and innovation. I'm your co host, Nadia Butt. I'm an organizational development and belonging strategist. And as always, I am joined by my colleague and friend, Rob Hadley, a people and culture strategist specializing in DEI and people analytics. Rob, how was your Thanksgiving?
1: It was, as you know, they're always delightful. They're always mm-hmm. delightful, always a lot of fun. What'd you cook and what'd you bake? together. Well, I went to someone's house uh, this year. Huh? Usually I host. And so, uh, yeah, so it was, so it was nice. I didn't have to cook too much and got to just enjoy being with that's family and awesome. friends. It's kind of yeah, amazing.
0: That's, that's really good. I'm going to ask you a question related to Thanksgiving. Okay. What are you grateful for this year as it relates to your professional side of your life?
1: As it relates to, wow. uh, I am, you know, probably because
0: I already know what your personal (laughs) side is. I know what you're grateful for.
1: Um, No, I think we're, I'm tremendously grateful. We've had a lot of, uh, I feel like in terms of a professional side, professional sense, really turning the corner. um, I'm, super grateful for the people that have been, uh, you know, really important advocates for me in my work. And so in the partnership that, you know, and that includes you. So I've, I've been able to develop a number of, uh, friendships that are, you know, professional as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and people have just been really supportive and I feel like, you know, professionally I'm turning the corner and starting to achieve some of the things that I wanted to. How about oh, you? Okay. What prompted the, the question?
0: Yeah, well, because you know, I think we all like when we speak. You and I, I think we do talk about like what we're grateful for in our lives, just like good health, family, friends, like the few friends that I have left. <laughs> but, um, but I, you know, we ne we never really talk about the professional aspect. And so I would say, similar to you, like I think the relationships this past year, like being able to build what we have built with this podcast. With our business, the interactions that we've had with colleagues, I'm I'm really grateful for that because I continue to learn and be challenged every every day. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's been really cool.
1: Yeah, and I think the and and I, I, mean, I should say the clients they're the number. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah, wow. Yeah. No, but it, but I mean it, it is it is quite a bit different. You know, I worked for big companies for a long time, and and you know, and, and I think that getting to know additional groups of people at regular intervals and build new relationships with folks in different companies and organizations. That's really cool. And and you know when you work in DEI, the kind of people that you're hanging out with generally are people that share your values. And so I think it's really it's it's really spectacular.
0: Yeah, totally. That's great. Thanks for playing along.
1: All right. All right, Nadia. Let's talk about what we're doing today uh, and this week on Inclusive Collective. So we're going to digest some post-Thanksgiving DEI news. See what I did there? I did. That's right. We're going to go back. Just Nadia and Rob, we're bringing you the latest. We'll talk about the impact of climate change on women and on the LGBTQIA community. We'll talk about Amazon's return to work or get out policy, women's soccer's big deal, and a doctor gets fired for political posts. So let's get to it. Let's do it. All right, Nadia. So This past week, the fifth National Climate Assessment was released by the U.S. Global Change Research Program, and that's a project that's mandated by Congress Mm -hmm. that aims to help the public understand climate change impacts. The report calls out specific impacts on women and sexual and gender minorities. In particular, uh, some things that that, that were particularly called out, the link between uh, miscarriages and low birth weight. From climate change, there's the link, the fact that women of color are disproportionately exposed to heat and pollution, and therefore are more likely to have complications in childbirth. There are, uh, in terms of sexual and gender minorities, social, economic, and health disparities, including the lack of planning for climate-related disasters and the unique needs of that population. So, Mm -hmm. Nadia. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I think they said that this report is done like every five years or something like that.
1: Um, yeah. So, and, it must have been authorized many years ago.
0: Yeah. It must have been authorized many years ago, or it was not done because some, some prior administrations don't believe in climate change.
1: Right. So or women.
0: Or crisis. Or, or yeah. Or, or don't believe in <laughs> women or any other minoritized <laughs> group. So, you yeah. know. So it was an interesting, I mean, I didn't read the full report, but I definitely read some of the findings, like you had mentioned. I think it'll be interesting to see what our advocates and politicians do with this information. I think what not necessarily surprised me, but I was very much interested in learning more about was the women that are disproportionately experienced the the burden of climate change because of unique mental, sexual, and reproductive health needs that intersect with their social, racial, and economic disparities it talked about women that, in particular, live in low-income low communities um, and how that disproportionately impacts BIPOC, particularly Black women. Again, nothing I'm surprised to learn or hear, but it's interesting when you do a report and there's findings, so there's evidence, right? This is like what we mean about finding the data that supports our, our, um, our, our thoughts and our assumptions. And so, like I said, it'll be really interesting to see what our politicians and advocates do for with this information.
1: Yeah, we talked to, just along those lines, we had Dr. Maya Hightower on a few weeks ago from Equality AI, and she mm-hmm. talked about the social determinants of health. That, so based on social factors, we can predict health outcomes, Uh, And climate change, uh, it it just follows along with that. It really exacerbates those social determinants of health. So stress on any system exposes the weakness. And so we saw this with COVID and climate change will continue to put stress on all of those systematic inequities that we see. And so, yeah, and and I have a prediction. They they won't do much with it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We'll follow up with that. Yeah, yeah. So we'll come back to that.
0: Good. We're such are we cynical? Like what's
1: happening?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So my story here, Rob. Um, so you know, this back to office kind of issue or topic has been an ordeal. Some companies have shifted to making it mandatory. Well, according to CNBC, Amazon says their employees may not get promoted if they ignore their return to office mandate. So um, this policy is at least three days a week when folks need to be in a physical office. Mm. It's for the corporate employees of Amazon. And of course, many employees have resisted or upset about this kind of policy. And now if managers or and or HR are finding that employees are not in compliance with this, then they have the right and it could impact an individual's promotional readiness opportunity. Mm -hmm. Reactions.
1: Isn't it funny, Nadia, that Amazon, the original internet disruptor and cloud computing giant, wants everyone to be in a physical space? Yeah. So that's one observation. Yeah. Two, have you noticed that Alexa? Do you have an Alexa?
0: Of course. But yeah. I unplug it because I don't know Yeah, have
1: I you know noticed that. that it sucks? Yeah. <laughs> It kind of sucks, right? Yeah. So remember remember a few years ago when you first got your Alexa, it was like, it's going to change everything. Yeah, and that was sure. like, you know, 2016, 2017. And it's like, wow, we're going to be able to do everything. We're just going to talk to Alexa and everything's going to get done for us. And now I can't even get it to play a song, right? Yeah. Like I can't, like, I know. Like, People like It, yell it at misfires it. on everything, right? <laughs> yeah. So just as an aside, this it makes me wonder if this is where chat GPT uh, is headed, right? Yeah. Like it's like, oh, it's going to change everything. It's like, it's like, well, it's basically like a thing that answers questions in an okay fashion. Yeah, <laughs> like,
0: totally. It right, does an right, okay
1: right. job at answering questions. All right. So, so my, you know, I'm, I'm going to come back to the news story here, but like, I do wonder if Amazon slashing people, the high turnover mm-hmm. is, you know, cause I know that they eliminated folks in that Alexa division. So is that, is that part of the problem? Are we at the apex of Amazon culture? Right. So it seems like the culture that they have is something they created in 1999 and it's it's really hard for them to let go, right? Mm-hmm. And so, nineteen
0: ninety
1: nine. I'm just saying, like for me, like that's what, it, like that's what it that feels like. Sure. And you know, it, it's if you're successful at anything, or if anyone's successful, it's very hard to imagine like, the conditions that made you successful could change, right? Yeah. That the that the that the set behind you on stage has, has shifted a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, there, let me just read you one thing from that article. So it's mm-hmm. Andy Jassy said. Uh, at the CEO, he said that teams tend to be better connected to one another when they see each other in person more frequently. There's something about being face-to-face with somebody, looking them in the eye and seeing that they're fully immersed in whatever you're discussing that bonds people together. So that's, that's simply a statement of something that used to exist, right? Like I had a conversation this past week with someone in Botswana that I had never met about, and we're talking about collaborating on a project, Will likely never be in the same room, mm-hmm. and I immediately knew that I could have a good working relationship with this person, sure. right? And I could, and and that's the new normal. And so, so the, it just it seemed very outdated.
0: Yeah. Well, what's interesting too is, and I again, I don't know the CEO on a personal level. I don't know what his particular circumstances are, but it's really easy to make comments like that when you're an able-bodied, like you don't have any sort of neurodivergent needs. Perhaps you don't need any accommodations because you're not living with a disability yet. So it's really easy, I think, to make comments like that. I understand that companies are concerned with productivity, perhaps real estate. A lot of companies spend a lot of money on their real estate. We know right, this from right. prior organization. And then collaboration. I understand that there are some great benefits of being in person. But like you said, right, like there, you can absolutely be productive and have Great collaboration with someone virtually if you know how to use the tools that there's so many resources and tools that are available to many folks that to to everyone where you where you can work collaboratively with someone. So I I feel like this is such an impact on someone's livelihood. It makes me wonder how we are managing people and the organization's values when you say that you're going to put a policy in place where if you do not come in mandated three days a week then that's going to hinder your advancement opportunities like that especially when we consider the caretaking the flexibility Mm -hmm. sitting in do you know the morale of my morale was like driving into boston during traffic <laughs> like during during those morning hours and the afternoon it's you like, drove
1: into boston like i
0: drove in into boston i was a yeah. I ele- i live 11 miles north of the city i carpooled in with my friend and we it took us over an hour and a half on some mornings to get into boston like waste of time my morale And then you consider these people that have neurodivergent needs or people living with disabilities. We put these policies or rules into place without having conversations with employees and understanding and understanding how we can mitigate biases. Of course, I'm sure there's accommodations for folks, but it really just it it just to me is just it just seems interesting. That's all. It's (laughs) like, why are we continuing to do this where we're I just fear, this is what I fear, Rob. You know what I fear? <laughs> I fear we put policies in place like this and forever and a day we rewarded employees into roles of management or leadership. I was just telling a friend this, that most people that are rewarded in, or advanced in our organizations are advanced because they have technical ability, not because they have management skill sets or leadership sets or skills, right? it's because they have a technical ability. And I'm not saying you can't learn management skills or you can't learn how to be a better leader, but oftentimes we promote because they're, people are working the 80-hour work weeks or a, you know or 120-hour work weeks or they're you know they're able to come in really early and stay really late.
2: And yeah. so I just
0: I feel like we're continuing to reward based off of not necessarily the right behaviors. Is that a rant? again i am <laughs> that, like crushing that would, it with
1: that my one kind <laughs> of got away from you yeah and don't forget nadia yeah. you know we've you know doing this for what two and a half three years and you and i uh right like we, we've we've been in the same place like only a couple times in the last couple of years right and so right. able to able to build you know pretty uh pretty amazing show here so you know yeah so i would say that's what i would that's the way i would look at it
0: yeah that's true All right, folks, let's take a break, and we'll be back with some more deets. Hey, have you
2: ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.
1: Welcome back to Inclusive Collective. Nadia, women's soccer. Let's talk women's soccer. Love it. You're in?
0: I'm in. All right, so
1: I don't. We haven't talked about this. It happened a couple of weeks ago, but you know, so the National Women's Soccer League announced that they had reached a deal on a new four-year contract beginning in 2024 with CBS, ESPN, Prime Video, and Scripps Sports. It was. Uh, it's going to pay that soccer league sixty million dollars per year, two forty over the course of that deal. And uh, what do you think that is in terms of uh, you know versus what they did have in terms of TV deals? What what multiple of what they had previously do you think that is? Oh. How much do you think their old TV deal was worth?
0: I don't know how much worth, but it probably, maybe it increased by like 40%.
1: <laughs> 40 times. Oh. It increased 40 times. So yeah, so huge win. And uh, they're going to air 118 games over those networks over the next four years. Wow. Are you That's excited?
0: awesome. I'm really excited. I mean, don't people nowadays tend to watch more women's football versus men's football
1: what do you know <laughs> like what do you mean <laughs> <just joking>. no <laughs> what do you mean no no they don't no but so
0: i mean no. my family does my uh, family watches women's <laughs> women women's soccer all day long
1: yeah yeah, yeah. is that I'm, not the case you... in your household no no huh. no and on, on most households right i mean like okay. what men the men's ratings for these type of things are orders of magnitude more but okay. that is a very big increase right that's a 40 time increase in terms of uh the tv deal that uh, that the nwsl is going to get so um i can't tell if the economics make sense but you know it seems like both of these parties are happy you know, they're anticipating a much bigger increase for 2027, right? They talked about like not wanting to be locked in past 2027 because that's the next Women's World Cup and they think they can get another bigger deal coming sure. out of that. So that's this cool. will allow the women's sport, you know, again, the NWSL to become the most prominent women's soccer league in the world, right? Wow. Like, like half of, you know, at least half of this will go to the players and allow them to offer much, much higher salaries and pull yeah. the best players from around the world. So that's great. really cool. Incredible. And now, and perhaps... At the end of it, then you can say that it's bigger than men's soccer.
0: Okay. Well, maybe just in my household it is right now, <laughs> but I'm hoping for most households. <laughs> so I'll, we'll hold out on, on that. But that's awesome. All right. I'll go here uh, to the next, the final deed here. I had mentioned um, this a few weeks ago where a doctor who ran a can- cancer center at, at a NYU oh. hospital was suspended for social media posts relating to the October 7th attack by Hamas on Israel. So that doctor, Dr. Benjamin Neal, filed a lawsuit against NYU, claiming that the suspension left his reputation "quote in tatters," end quote, and caused him to lose one consulting arrangement and left several others uh, "quote in imminent peril," end quote. Mm. Any thoughts?
1: Well, but tell me, this is this is, these are pro-Israeli uh, posts as well, right?
0: Yeah, so this particular person posted uh, pro-Israeli posts.
1: Yeah, yeah. No. So I don't. I, I was not able to look at the posts that the, that the doctor made, so I can't. T- I, I can't say, you know, what, to what degree or how appropriate they were. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and you know, you have this megaphone, you have social media, you have to think about and live with the posts that you make, and certainly the associations. Like there's like this double. This, you know, this order or, or uh, degree of separation that you have to sometimes be worried about with what you're saying and posting, right? So the richest man in the world is in trouble right now because uh, he commented on anti-Semitic posts on the social media network that he owns, right? right. <laughs> like, so in terms of, you know, ironically, so, um, you know, I, so you have to really look at the things that you're, you know, you're posting, that you're re re-exing or whatever it's called these days but yeah what what, what what was your take on this one
0: yeah i mean so you know we we mentioned this story before we mentioned some other stories a few weeks ago um when when we were noticing that people were losing their jobs or being put on suspension <clears throat> or being put on warning um so there are several other folks who posted on social media And of course, I can't speak to all of those instances. Like you said, I I, I didn't see all of the posts, so I I can't really like assess it. But on the flip side, what I do feel is that there's an opportunity, I think, for leaders to navigate difficult conversations. Like I I keep going back to this because I don't know if we've built that skill set in particular to be able to have those conversations, particularly ones where we may not agree or align with someone. And again, I'm not advocating at all for anti Semitism, Islamophobia, anti Palestinian or anti Arab sentiments, any sort of phobia. I'm like not for it at all. I want to make that very clear. And I think, again, there's an opportunity where leaders could seek to understand, maybe have a humble inquiry to really gather their employee sentiments to understand where their perspectives or lived experiences are before mm-hmm. making a decision of perhaps putting someone on leave or put, making someone, you know, go get suspended again. I don't, I'm not advocating. I don't know in particular what that Dr. Benjamin Neal has done, but I'm just saying in general, there's an opportunity for us, like you said, to kind of like thoughtfully think through what um, repercussions may, may occur um, people are still in pain and have been for the last six to seven weeks, and I have no doubt that that will continue to happen. So again, I just I think there's an opportunity for leaders to navigate these really challenging conversations, difficult conversations, build that skill set um, before they react.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think usually when they're when we're dismissing people for their views, <laughs> I'm uncomfortable most of the time going to be uncomfortable, right? And that it's usually going to be an overreaction and there is the potential for opening the organization to litigation risk at at the same time, right? right? If they are overreacting. So like you said, it's a very tricky time for companies and organizations. So they really need to be listening to their stakeholders, all of their stakeholders, um, deliberately, right? Like, you know, sometimes we move too fast on these things. uh, And then there's an opportunity to have some compassion, Right now, I'm even more compassionate about, you know, with what we're dealing with, right? In terms of the folks that that don't agree, that I don't agree with, mm-hmm. um, I'm even more leaning into giving them at least <laughs> the benefit of the doubt to an extent. Uh, to right, there's obviously some things that are over the top, and I think that uh, you know, you know, the 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 Twitter CEO is dealing with that right now, right? So, but emotions are very raw it's a, probably a good practice to have an extra little helping of compassion right now as we get through the next, uh, well, hopefully not, not too long.
0: I know, hopefully not too long. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: All right, let's take another quick break and be right back with some rants and raves. Stay with us.
0: Welcome back, folks. All right, Rob, it's that time for our rants and raves.
1: Am I? Um, am I? We're we're just raving.
0: We're, we're raving today, so <laughs> let's just rave and rave. You asked and-
1: if we were getting skeptical or cynical earlier, mm-hmm. and, I, and like we've just we've we've been just. Pumping out the raves, right? I know. Like not even any, barely any rants. You
0: know what? It's it's because it's time of year. It's 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 the weeding into the winter. It's cold. It gets dark early. It's like let's just keep it light.
1: But if you <laughs> and if you if you limit yourself from doing Stephen Miller related rants, oh, then you, there's almost nothing to rant about. Like That's he true. just dominates. <laughs> The news. The
0: news cycle, yeah. Yeah. Well, what um, do you have for us today?
1: All right. So this is a story from The Guardian this past week, calling out the efforts of Dr. Jess Wade, an Imperial College of London research fellow. Uh, she investigates spin selective charge transport for uh, chiral systems. Did you know that? I did not know That's that. what I was considering majoring in college. I, I be- know. Before I went I into know. marketing. I'm not I, surprised. I, <laughs> I was doing chiral systems. Uh, I had no <laughs> idea what a chiral system is. I don't all either. Right all right so since mm-hmm. 2017 uh dr wade has been campaigning tirelessly to raise the profile of female scientists and scientists of color and nadia you saw this right so yeah. there was uh you know it's a uk article right obviously the imperial college of london right i feel like we're very british on this show we had ali uh, you know oh, yeah. javad, ali javad and, yeah. and kathy may carlson yeah. uh, right so i feel like we're very international at this point oh, but yeah. the numbers are incredible um so within uh, the academic community, 8% of undergraduates, 1.4% of lecturers and postgraduates and 0.4% of science professors living in the UK are black. There are 25 black UK professors working in STEM out of a total professorship of more than 6,600. Oh, wow. And so what Dr. Wade's efforts have been around, obviously getting them the attention that they deserved. Uh, she has found that the big scientific awards they they are not being won by people that are minoritized because they don't get nominated so just the act of nominating folks will increase their chances in the future of winning these big awards which will draw more attention to them as well and their work and you know so really cool work that she's doing there and you know like a really great example of understanding the problem and then taking very targeted focused action uh, in order to change things
0: that's great that's a great raise Thank you, Dr. Wade. <laughs> All right. So Erica Robin is the first to represent my parents' home country, Pakistan, in a Miss Universe pageant in the contest 72-year run. She wore a baby pink burkini during the swimsuit competition. She placed in the top 20, made history as the first woman to represent Pakistan. Just so excited that Pakistan's part of I mean, I don't really love pageants, but OK, <laughs> it's part of this the Miss Universe pageant. And is representing and really representing like the rich culture and the heritage of Pakistan, particularly because I've been there a number of times. It really is just a, a beautiful it's beautiful landscape. It's beautiful food, beautiful culture and, of course, the heritage. So really, really cool to see Erica. Robin is part of the 1% minority Christian population in Pakistan. So I thought it was really cool that she um, was representing.
1: I thought, so I, I, I'm i glad you said that. You, I, I was wondering how you felt about pageants in general.
2: Yeah. And, <laughs>
1: and the Miss I mean... Universe pageant. And, but I, but I, I looked at this a little bit, and did you see that the, the person who owns the Miss universe pageant now right so like it used to be Donald Trump yeah then it was is... a big company yeah and now it, it is a Thai trans reality star Ooh. and uh, who has worked to modernize and make the event more inclusive allowing mothers and married women to compete yeah. <laughs> which is nice in 2023 um, but unfortunately Nadia I did want to tell you that the event is struggling financially it may be on oh, the verge no. of bankruptcy so so we could make a bid for it is what I'm saying we could, uh, we could be the <laughs> <it's> owners <funny. laughs> of the Miss Universe pageant.
0: Oh my gosh, that's actually, well, I mean not incredible because it's that's kind of sad to hear, but at the same time I do love that they um it sounds like they were trying to change the positioning and values of who is represented within the organization. Um so I guess if our listeners care enough about the Miss Universe pageant, feel free to make a donation to them
1: <laughs> or buy it if you're a Or rich buy
0: listener. it. Yeah. Very good, folks. Uh, Well, that is it for Inclusive Collective this week. Rob, thank you so much for a great episode. Inclusive Collective is a production of Refillion Media and edited by Ari Mathay. We would love to hear from you, so please send us your feedback at inclusivecollective.refillion.com. You can find us on LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Be sure to also follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, You can subscribe to our Inclusive Collective newsletter. Um, And also, please feel free to subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcast today thanks again we will be back next week be well
2: so i i know you've got a lot going on but remember i'm here for you so bother me when no one's listening because i will bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can bother me because you're never a bother whether it's a low point or a crisis get help for yourself or a friend learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988 available 24 7